Hello and welcome to OPG Inspire, your source and the latest for organizational development, innovative leadership, and the tools you need to make a better world. Today I had the pleasure of speaking with Chris Cole, Executive Director of APNH, formerly AIDS Project New Haven and now a place to nourish your health. APNH is a nonprofit whose vision is to help build a community where everyone has access to high quality, relationship based, holistic care that inspires health and well being and that empowers people impacted by HIV, substance abuse, mental illness, and related conditions. Chris Cole has served as the executive director of APNH since May 2008. Prior to joining APNH, he served the AIDS community with the San Francisco AIDS Foundation and the LA Gay and Lesbian Center HIV and AIDS program. He was also the executive director of AIDS Lifecycle, a fundraising organization that runs a 545-mile cycling event designed to raise awareness and money for AIDS groups. I found that my interview with Chris to be an honest and insightful look into the world of running a nonprofit in the face of stigma, rapid changes, and difficult boundaries. I hope you'll enjoy it. With that, my interview with Chris Cole. We're live. Chris, thank you so much for joining us on OPG Inspire. I just wanted to start out and uh, have you explain a little bit about who you are, what you do with uh, APNH, and uh, what's going on these days for you. Great. I'm uh, Chris Cole. I'm the executive director of APNH, now called A Place to Nourish Your Health. We recently changed our name from AIDS Project New Haven after 35 years of serving the community as AIDS Project New Haven. Um, I've been here in New Haven for and, and at my job for about 10 and a half years. Um, and we've changed our organization. Uh, we've um, not only changed our name, but our mission and our vision. Uh, our, our primary purpose when, we, when the organization started was to support people who were um, really trying to deal with uh, an AIDS diagnosis and uh, in, in almost all cases deal with the end of their life um, in an environment where people were scared and uh, they weren't getting the services and support that they needed, um, not only from their families, but also the professional community. And over the years, um, AIDS Project New Haven evolved into a more professional organization. Uh, we do support services for individuals who are living with HIV, making sure that they remain engaged in their health care. And um, we've changed with with the epidemic. Uh, you know, we're, we're now not um, going into homes and helping people clean their homes and feeding people and spending time with people uh, as as the only people who would um, spend time with folks who who had AIDS. Uh, we're now um, much more clinical. Uh, we're now addressing mental health and substance use needs. Uh, we're now helping folks. Um, live long, normal, healthy lifespans with HIV. Uh, we're now doing lots of testing in the community to find those who are most um, at risk of acquiring HIV and getting them tested and immediately linking them to healthcare. Um, and in doing that, we've looked at um, how do we best serve our community? Uh, 
HIV disease management is no longer about AIDS. Most people don't progress to that stage. Um, we certainly don't want anyone progressing to that stage. Unfortunately, stigma and judgment are still a significant part of uh, HIV. So uh, we're trying to be out there in the community and get people tested and into care so that they don't progress to um, that stage. And we're looking at how do we serve the whole person uh, so we've, we've changed our mission from uh, educating the public and serving individuals who are infected and affected by HIV to um, serving anyone who faces stigma and barriers in receiving high-quality health care. So we're, not, uh, we're looking at building upon our core competencies of um, treating people with dignity and respect, treating people and meeting them where they're at, uh, around their um, their behavioral health um, and and around their um, attitudes around their own health care and and what they think they can do versus uh, what they're doing now and where we think they can go um, and you and, and and using those skills to serve a broader population so you know for many years we've had folks say uh, can I get therapy and counseling services here and we've had to say no if they're not living with HIV and now for the first time we can say yes um, we're seeing uh, significant increases in the number of transgender individuals who need care and services and who need someone to understand their uh, health care needs and we are an open welcoming place for uh, folks of the transgender experience um, so, and it was important as we looked at at changing what we do in the community and changing our identity that we that we we really held our identity at the same time. Um, that we didn't have our existing client base in any way feel like we were abandoning them. That we were uh, merely growing to offer more services to more people, including to them. So. We, we spent a couple of years looking at the process and talking with our board members, talking with our staff members, and talking with our clients to say, what are our, we did SWOT analysis with everyone, what are our strengths, our weaknesses, our opportunities, our threats, and what is it that you need, and how can we use our strengths to, to better serve the community, um, and said, let's always maintain who we are while completely changing who we are. So we played a lot with the APNH name. Uh, we've been known as APNH for many years in the community. Um, when I got there 11 years ago, the New Haven, in the, the New Haven uh, Register came to do an article that there was a new executive director at AIDS Project New Haven, and they wanted to take a picture, and I said, um, let's take it out on the front porch. And the, the executive director who was there before me, we had, we had three days overlap, came running out and said, you can't take a picture on the porch. People will know what the building is and that this is where AIDS Project New Haven is and we'll be breaking people's confidentiality. And I, I said from that point, we will have a sign on this building that proudly declares that we're AIDS Project New Haven because I think that as an organization, we have the responsibility not to perpetuate the judgment and stigma that go along with HIV. It took over a year and a half to make that happen because 
we took the time to listen. We took the time to process. There were tears. There were personal stories from board members and staff and clients when we when we discussed doing this, and we put the, the, the name on the building. And would you say that's kind of the first step that you took towards becoming a place to nourish your health in some ways of taking yourself not only away from uh, just, you know, for example, it seems like there's a big difference here between what you were doing before as AIDS Project New Haven and what you're doing here as a place now as a place to nourish your health. And one phrase that really stuck with me from your mission is culturally competent care, which is what does that mean, culturally competent care? How's it different than normal health care? Culturally competent care means that when a transgender woman walks into our office to receive care, we are addressing her by her pronouns, by her name, always referring to her as her, even if her driver's license doesn't have the same name as she's chosen to go by. Culturally competent care means that when someone comes in for um, mental health services, or even substance use services, who's a gay man who has uh, his entire life faced um, judgment and rejection, whether it's real or perceived, uh, from family, from coworkers, from healthcare professionals, that they feel welcome and at home and can talk about whatever it is that they need to talk about for their health and wellness. Um, Culturally competent care means that our forms all represent uh, any number of options that don't exclude folks. Uh, culturally competent care means that when someone walks into our our space, which is an old Victorian home on Chapel Street, and they look at the artwork that they're seeing themselves, whether that's a transgender person, whether that's a gay couple, whether that's a black person or a Latino person or an Asian person. So all of our artwork represents the people that we serve, represents everyone. Um, and we don't make assumptions when someone walks in the door. Uh, we don't make assumptions about anyone, regardless of who they are or what they look like or what their identification says or what their history is. Um, and we meet them right where they're at and then work with them to empower them to take care of their own health and well-being. Um, and I don't think it's very different from what we were doing before. We're just stating it in a different way. Um, we had a client who called last week in tears working with their case manager because they went to a hospital in the area uh, for their care and the hospital refused to call her by her name because what was on her ID was the name that she was given at birth and the gender that she was given at birth and it's not the gender that she chooses to identify with today. and. That leads to lots of complications in someone not getting the care and services that they need. And in someone, in, 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 in decreasing someone's mental health rather than improving someone's mental health. So how has your role as an executive director changed through this uh, uh, through this transition, you know, uh, and, and this also applies to the question of how the treatment, the treatment of AIDS and HIV has changed, mm -hmm. uh, you know, what was it to be a director previously, and what is it to be a director now at APNH? Well, 
but my roles changed in that I get to have a whole lot more fun <laughs> and I get to, um, you know, I always got to do what I believed in, but I get to do what I believe in even further. Um, it opens up possibilities for the organization around funding that um, I'm, I'm no longer managing um, kind of paycheck to paycheck just to make sure everyone gets paid because we have, we have a, a diversity of funding sources now. Um, and and we, can, we can help and serve more people. Um, which just, you know, is, is a much better place to come from. And, uh, cause there was a time period where it was, it was difficult. We were, um, continually trying to figure out how we were going to make ends meet around government grants and government funding and, um, changes in healthcare and changes in administrations and, um, you know, the state or the or the federal government might be three months behind in paying, and you know you can't provide services when you're doing that. When bringing in a diverse range of services and hence funding allows you to um, maintain those programs and and not be so dependent on individual grants, uh, and and that just makes it a whole lot more fun for all of us. We get to dream and vision and. Um, and do new things, which is a big part of why we changed our name and our mission when we did. We, we started a pharmacy program a few years ago, and that's been a huge uh, change in our financial outlook and our ability to do new things. And, um, and it seems like you do a lot of work in building community as well. And uh, yeah, how important? Why, why is building community so important when you're looking at a disease like HIV, or when you're looking at trying to uh, uh, build things like culturally competent care for your community? Well, one, none of us exist alone, and um, when you are dealing with uh, stigmatized um, issue, whether it's HIV or mental health or substance use, it's really important to know that you're not alone. And uh, by as caregivers, many of us are living with HIV, many of us are living with, uh, in recovery, many of us, um, I think everyone has be mental health issues, and <laughs> many of us choose to treat them uh, because we're open about that. Um, but more than just as, as the providers of the care to bring people in and have there be a sense of community where folks know that I'm not alone and I belong here and there are other people who are facing facing the same challenges that I am, and together we can overcome these things alone we can't. And I think that that's the importance of community. I think it's also really important that we create a safe space for people who don't feel like they have safe spaces. You know, many uh, gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender folks don't feel like they have safe spaces. Uh, don't feel like they can talk honestly and openly about their life experiences, even in their own homes, no less in their workplaces or their education places. And they can do that mm -hmm. at APNH. And I think that that's, um, that's why community is important. And a, a huge part of our new vision is to create more community. Um, our tagline to A Place to Nurse Your Health is uh, Mind, Body, and Spirit. And I think that 
Um, you know, we can in healthcare often look at treating the the mind or the body very individually, but I think we have to look at all three combined. And I think the best way to do that is is through um, compassion and empathy and community. Mm-hmm. Now, how overcoming stigma and fear is a big part of this transition, it seems like. And as a leader, how do you approach creating the environments, creating the you know abundant mentality in your employees and the people, the clients that you work with to get over things like stigma and fear and uh, and so that people feel energized and happy and ready to go and that they have the resources they need? Yeah. Well, um, firstly, like I said about the sign on the building, we have a uh, responsibility as an organization not to perpetuate stigma and not to hide. So as an organization where we're out and proud and declare who we are. As a leader within the organization, I um, talk very honestly and openly about my HIV status about uh, 15 years ago, I was living with 34 CD4 cells and a viral load of a million and a half, and I'm pretty sick. Um, and I've overcome addiction issues. And I think, um, and, and we have other leaders within the organization that have uh, have very honestly and openly talked about their experience with the same sorts of things. And I think that that sets the tone for everyone. I think um, it's certainly a personal choice. I, it's a, um, I co- you know, I have a, I have certainly a lot of privilege in my life, which allows me to exercise that choice with much less um, fear than other people may have. Uh, but it helps set the tone. I, uh, we encourage all of our staff to be who they are and and declare who they are certainly don't force anyone to do that, um, but wherever they are in their life. And our, our you know, I, I read a book many, 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 many years ago when I first started managing in my early t- 20s, mid-20s maybe, um, by Danny Myers, who runs, uh, owns restaurants in New York City. And, and his philosophy has always been take care of your employees first, and they will take care of the customers versus this customer first mentality. And, and, and that's my philosophy in our work uh, and with our staff at APNH is we take care of our staff. Our clients don't necessarily always come first. We have to have boundaries. We have to have balance. We have to have uh, a healthy life outside of work. And if we're not taking care of ourselves and we're not taking care of each other, we can't take care of other people. And I think that that message allows our staff to take care of folks in a way that's balanced and allows them to then be honest and forthright and overcome the stigma. And, and, and you know, stigma is not about the person that's doing the judging. It's about what's going on in the judged person's head. And if it's, it's, it's anything that we keep in, I believe, anything that we keep inside as a secret just builds up and, and builds all of this... Um, angst and dread and judgment about ourselves and as soon as we let it out and as soon as we hear from other people you're no different than me it goes away and it doesn't matter what other people think 
because it's an inside job. And, and I, you know, when we, when we put the sign, going back 10 years or nine years, when we put the sign on the building, we had clients who, who were concerned about someone might see me coming into the building. And I pointed out to them, in any given day, half of the people that walk through that front door aren't living with HIV. You know, whether it's the male person or whether it's some of the staff members or whether it's other people from the community or people coming in to get tested or people delivering something, you know, it's it's what's going on in your head that is saying somebody might judge me because the mailman's not thinking someone might judge him for walking in the building or the UPS delivery woman's not thinking that she may be judged. Why are you thinking you might be judged? And helping people overcome that and those kinds of conversations helped people and i gotta say you want to talk about culturally competent care i mean you could talk to anyone who works in the healthcare industry on standard healthcare industry and the idea of putting employees first is a pretty wild <laughs> idea isn't it um now apnh as an organization is experiencing these big transformations what is next for for APNH, but also for the United States, what would you like to see happen on a national scale as well? Well, I'd love to see all healthcare become much more open and welcoming, and it's it's a matter of educating folks. And it surprises me time and time again how little that exists here in New Haven, even when you think it does. You know, I, I think, I know for myself, I think, well, we live in Connecticut, it's a liberal state, and, and you know, the, the healthcare providers in New Haven are much more open. And, and I suppose that, you know, I've, I've heard stories, I was at the U.S. Conference on AIDS in September in uh, Orlando, and heard stories of people who, you know, said, well, I'll go into my healthcare provider and they'll say, just pray on it. Um, well, prayer might be a really important thing, but it's not likely alone to improve your health when you're dealing with something like substance use or HIV or mental health issues. Um, I think we're more open than that here in Connecticut, but there's the story that I just talked about from Tuesday of last week when we had the client who was really upset when they went to their local clinic and they refused to call them by their gender that they identify with. And that's where we have a lot of work to do. Um, and, and for APNH, where do I see us growing and going? I think... Um, we just added a, a brand new program for uh, people 50 and above uh, to look at how we improve health outcomes uh, by decreasing depression caused by social isolation. And um, it's a three-year grant that we got from Gilead Sciences that we're really excited about. Uh, we are looking at how we apply for funding for uh, diabetes care. You know, an, uh, a chronic illness that needs to be managed very similar to HIV needs to be managed often long term um, and is not something we've done before. Uh, we're looking at, um, you know, while people tend to think of stigmatized folks in a certain lens, we're looking at those folks of, you know, privilege who may live in, in some of our uh, suburban, very privileged communities who we don't often think is stigmatized at all, 
but whose children may be opiate users or who may have lost a child due to opiate use. And how do we bring those folks who are ashamed and afraid and don't want to talk about it together so that they can form community and talk about it and heal and recover from those experiences? Um, those are We're just looking for what are the unmet needs in our community and how do we use our skill sets and our core competencies and our relationships to help folks overcome those challenges and meet those needs in the community. So it's exciting because I, I don't know that I don't know that there's there's many people doing that and um, and we have that opportunity and people have responded really well. you know we only changed our name two months ago uh, and our vision and the the overwhelming response that we have gotten has been really significant and I was concerned what our existing clients would think I was I was really that that was the the group I was most concerned about and we haven't heard a single um, negative thing about our name change has been overwhelmingly positive and and again you know for the staff it's just exciting it's it's new we're we're thinking differently we are uh, challenging ourselves we're reaching out in a different way it's not stale and stagnant and the same thing as we've always done so um that that's great and that's where uh it's really it's it's fun it's fun to go to work every day and if, for people listening right now is there anything that they can do to help uh contribute to the causes for AIDS? Uh, excuse me, <laughs> anything for the causes for a, pro- a place to nourish your health? Well, absolutely. Well, there always is uh, ways of helping, you know, visiting our website at APNH.org and making financial contributions so that we can um, build these programs that we may not currently have funding for and play with some of these ideas like, you know, an opiate support group uh, uh, wouldn't be called opiate support group, but support group for folks who may have loved ones who are um, addicted to opiates or who may have overdosed of opiates um, is not something that we have funding for currently. And oftentimes to get funding, you need to, to have some experience in, in doing that work. So uh, certainly financially, it's always, um, but also um, ideas and passion are, are the other um thing that we we need we we need someone who wants to volunteer their time to start that support group who has that experience um because that's who should be running those support groups uh we need someone to come to us and say um here's a need in the community that you may not have thought about how do we work together to make this happen and we're really excited to be looking at ways to work together with other organizations and and people um, because again, that's community. It's not, we don't live in a silo. And it's an ever, it seems like it's an ever growing community now. Really, really happy to hear it. Well, Chris, thank Thanks. you so much for your time today. My pleasure. Thanks. That was my interview with Chris Cole, executive director at a place to nourish your health in New Haven, Connecticut. To learn more about what you can do for APNH, please visit APNH.org. Coming into this interview, I was curious about how a company like APNH can go through such a thorough rebranding phase without losing or confusing the two groups that make it tick, its employees and its clients. Through my conversation with Chris, I found that he displays many important characteristics of what it means to be an abundant leader, and that these characteristics likely facilitated a smooth transition where everyone felt heard and appreciated. Chris's concept of taking care of employees first 
while respecting their boundaries and work-life balance is a rare and essential ingredient to a successful transition. Employing honesty, transparency, and giving responsibility to those who run every level of an organization reinforces a strong, central core to build your new idea around. As for the clients of APNH, I found that Chris's dedication to making no assumptions, truly listening to each person, and recognizing that all people need a sense of community and camaraderie is also essential to their dedication to the company. When people who interact with your organization feel like they are part of your family, they will treat you that way. You'll find that previous limitations seem to fall away as more people adopt the abundant mentality. You may even find that each of us have an ability to heal, grow, and thrive in a world where community comes first. With that, this is Robert Roach, signing off.